Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement. My name is Tony Talbot, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareerMoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to episode 15 of Career Move Secrets, and today's guest is Ed Michaelsberg. Ed's an old friend of mine from the world of recruitment. He's been in recruitment for over 20 years, um, spent some time here in the UK, but actually the majority of his time in recruitment has been spent building businesses and recruiting in the finance and accounting sectors in Australia. Ed, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Great to catch up with you again after all of these years. I know it's been a very long time, hasn't it? 20 years. Flown by. Flown by. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly uh, things change. And in the blink of an eye, you're older and you've got and kids. And both grown beards. <laughs> yeah, and my hair's grey as uh, an old wizard. Yeah, it's uh, it's all of those things. So uh, unfortunate, <laughs> unfortunate, but good to catch up. Of course, I don't re- really know. You know. Well, I know more about you than, than the guests. So I, I guess it'd be worth uh, giving us an introduction, Ed, and, and telling us a little bit about, about yourself. Yeah, sure. Happy to do so. I think you know, if, if your listeners have checked out our LinkedIn profiles, they'll see that we worked together at Ellis Fairbank back in the late 90s. Um, so that was really my first experience in the recruitment industry. Um, what an experience it was. Um, <laughs> you know, I think uh, there's a few of us that still keep in touch from those days. Um, but I, I really fell into recruitment by chance after leaving Ernst & Young. I was actually training to become a chartered accountant. And um, yeah, look, by chance, I bumped into the managing director. He offered me a job and um, I spent about three years with Ellis Fairbank. And it was towards the kind of end of 2000, I was approached by an Australian wreck to wreck. She was actually approaching quite a few people in the UK. Um, She sold me the dream. She she said, look, you turn up on my doorstep. Um, I'll get you interviews with any company you want here. Um, I think the industry was really screaming out back then for people with recruitment experience overseas. And she delivered on a word. I, I arrived and she had about five interviews lined up and I landed a role with one of the big global firms. They were very established across the world, but still relatively new in Melbourne at the time. Um, so I stayed with them for about six years, but I'd always kind of had a desire to start my own business. And I really think that was born out of the Ellis Fairbank experience. They were such an entrepreneurial organization. I kind of looked at the owners and I saw what they'd achieved. And I thought, well, you know, I'll learn my trade in these firms, but I've got to do it for myself one day. So it was really a matter of finding the right time. And, and being six years with that firm in Melbourne, I'd kind of built my network and I had a decent reputation. So everything kind of fell into place. And 
think back in 2007. I just got married, um, came back from my honeymoon and started um, Venetor. So that was a business that I co-founded with a, a guy called Dominic Cara. Um, and that was a specialist finance and accounting recruitment company. Uh, we ran that business for about 12 years. Uh, and then in early 2019, we set up a new business, which is Emu Search. Um, Dom and I went into partnership with two other guys, Luke Marshall and Zenko Effion. So we've kind of diversified our offering outside of finance and accounting, still retaining that, but also now working in the, the technology and the digital space. So Emu Search is today's business. Yeah, exciting stuff. And and how have you found, you know, I guess being being a Brit in Australia and, and recruiting there, I, I get the sense that the the Australian market over the time you've been there has 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 boomed somewhat, certainly in sort of infrastructure and things like that. I don't know how much in finance. Yeah. It's been a very resilient economy, you know, through the GFC there were one of the few economies that didn't slide into recession. Mm. Um, you know, the property prices have been a backbone. We've had the mining commodities are our biggest export. Even in the current pandemic, you look at commodity prices and they've held up reasonably well. I think they grew by about 3% in that first few months of COVID. It's been a good market. Um, it, it has been a bull market since I came here. There's been a few blips. Um, but, uh, you know, finance as an area is one that, look, it, I, I wouldn't say it's bulletproof. I think, you know, there's certain pockets of demand at different levels and in different industries. I talk about finance more as a function rather than an industry. Um, I actually don't do anything at all within the financial services industry, but within the finance function across industry. Mm. And um, look, it, it's been a good market to work in. Um, you know, you, you mentioned being a Britain, Australia, there's a lot of English recruiters here. So it's kind of the norm. Um, I think it's, You'll definitely find in Melbourne there's the old school network, and um, you know if you went to the right universities, that can open some doors. But really, you know, this is a meritocracy here, and if you've got the right people and the right kind of work ethic, people want to work with you. Yeah, excellent. And how how affected has has Australia been by COVID nineteen? We we hear lots about uh, New Zealand coming out of it completely unscathed. But I, I, if I'm honest, I'm not sort of up to speed as to, you know, whether you've had a lockdown or, or, or anything. Yeah, look, I think compared to um, Europe, UK, Italy, US, we're relatively unscathed. Um, but still, it's here and it's growing again. There's there's another resurgence. So we kind of released some of the lockdown message, uh, measures and people have been out and about, big groups forming again, and um, we're seeing another spike. So Victoria now has, I think, 10 suburbs in complete lockdown. Mm. So for three months, I was working from home every day and just about to get back into the city and get back into normal life. And then it all kicked off again. So it's um, it's a real kind of unknown. No one can predict how this is going to pan out. It seems quite isolated to Victoria now. Mm. Most of the other states like Queensland and New South Wales seem to be coping pretty well. But um, look, I think you know everybody kind of went into this and there was that immediate panic and um, the fear of the unknown. We kind of braced for the worst. But We've done surprisingly well through COVID as a business. Um, okay, we, yeah. We've actually surprised ourselves, but I, I don't think that is um, kind of reflective of an industry trend. I think you know we're such a small business and we're in such a small fragment of the marketplace that you couldn't really use us as the bellwether. No, but I think it's always good to hear how you know 
I guess we feel, uh, and it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy to some extent at times that, that you know the world has gone to rack and ruin. I, I, I certainly didn't recruit anybody for three months, sort of March, uh, end of March, April, May, June, and I, it's just bouncing a little bit for me. So you know, I, I, I certainly found that there was a, a, a real problem and. The numbers that we're getting here around employment are quite significantly bad, even though we've had, you know, a, a lot of uh, government support. Um, yeah, it does look like there's 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 some real pain to come. Um, so it's it's good to hear that you guys are, are not affected so badly. What's what's the job market like in in uh, in Australia, in your view? Well, um, it, it's hard for me to comment on the the kind of broader job market. I think some numbers that I read recently, um, unemployment's around 7% at the moment. It's tipped to hit about 10% in the June quarter. Um, I think our GDP is forecast to decline and contract by about 10%. So, look, economically, it it is a horror show. Mm. Certain industries have been more affected than others. Airlines travel, um, you know, Qantas, who's our biggest airline, they've just announced about 6,000 cuts, permanent cuts of the business. Um, Virgin Australia, I think they're looking at slashing their workforce of 10,000 by about 80%. So hospitality has been hammered. Um, some sectors will probably never really bounce back. You know, you look at the old school bricks and mortar retail, if they've not pivoted to digital um, or have a good e com offering. They'll probably never get back, but certain areas of their industry have done well. Um, you know, I think COVID's kind of brought on some positive change. Some companies have grasped those opportunities better than others. Yeah, there's always winners and losers, isn't there? You know, and 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 definitely finding those companies that are on the up uh, and are using this uh, crisis as an opportunity. Um, that's that's where you want to be. I guess you know one of the questions I always ask recruiters because they have the experience and, and you certainly have had, you know, if you were looking for a job today, if you were looking in this sort of this, this buyer's market, I guess, um, from, from a, an employment point of view, what, what would you do? What, what, what would your strategy be? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, I think the old school um, approach would be active job seekers hit the job boards, apply for ads, and that, that's still very much how some people work. But I think, you know, at, a, at other levels, and we, we tend to gravitate more to that exact level, it's the inactive job seeker, that passive seeker. You know, they're very happy they're not looking. But I think you're always going to be career-minded. You've always got to be opportune. You've got to wait for that call to come and assess every role when it comes your way. But, but whether you're actively looking or not, I think, you know, the the one key thing you've got to do is cultivate relationships. And there's probably three areas where you've got to cultivate those relationships. And, and one is with search firms. And that's specifically with consultants like you or, or maybe I that have very strong networks within a particular industry or a functional area. Um, I think the second area is that professional services network. So, you know, by that, I'm, I mean, advisors, it could be big four audit partners for me or management consultants you know these are the people who've got their finger on the pulse they're constantly talking to ceos and and c-level leaders around issues such as strategy projects growth initiatives so you know if i'm talking to a cfo the first person that i'll recommend they speak to and they're probably doing this already is the audit partner because when a cfo leaves a business that's the first 
person they ring. And those audit partners are fantastic at recommending people to their clients because it's going to ensure continuity of their relationship. Um, But I think, you know, your your personal network as well, from a business perspective, you've you've got to keep in touch with former managers and executives who really valued the work that you've done. And you've got to stay close with them, find out where they are and open up the dialogue, let them know you could be interested. It's a big networking game, more so now than it was when we first started out. Yes, it, it absolutely is. Do you know everybody that I speak to, whether they are uh, on this on this show, whether they are senior recruiters or senior hiring managers, have talked about their network and leveraging that network. Uh, you know, sure. as you say, for, for information, uh, because getting ahead of the curve is is, I think, the most important thing to do. I, I, yeah. I talk a lot about yeah, you know, the the hidden job market uh, extensively, and you know, yeah. when, when things actually get to being posted as a as an advert i i maintain that they're already almost already almost filled um that there's already a shortlist against that role um because absolutely right you know the first thing a a, a, you know an exec does is thinks who do i know that could actually you know solve this problem for me before it's a role before it's even a role you're talking to you know it's a transformation you're talking to somebody you you know if it's a let's say a transformation in the finance function you know who 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 do i know who's who's actually done this before or used this technology mm-hmm. or had this issue what did they do i'll talk to them find out and then they That's get right. recommended a guy to speak to and another and you know you've got a small shortlist yeah. you might talk to a recruiter you get two more it never gets it never gets advertised so get in early yeah, I, I find that advertising is often a distraction you know i'd, I'd rather invest time targeting people, tracking down those people who've absolutely got the right experience and engaging with them. And if they're not interesting, who do they know? And there's two assignments I've been managing recently for a client. And I thought about, oh, maybe I will put an advert up. You know, it's always good branding to let people know that you're hiring this kind of level. And I resisted because we generated enough talent and it, it didn't need to be done. And I knew if I put it up there, I would have probably got about 300 people calling me, emailing me. Um, and it's just unfortunately time that it's not valuable for really any of us. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I couldn't agree more, Ed. I haven't, play, I haven't posted a job in 10 years, and it's for, it's for that exact reason, because I like to go direct to the talent and find the people that are actually yeah. a really strong fit. That, that's how recruitment works these days. Um, yeah. but, but also because, yeah, you know, I, I haven't the time to speak to two, 300 people that think they're a fit when realistically my experience is, you know, if you did get 300 CVs, you might get one that, that came close to the people that you could generate by going direct. Indeed. So it, it, it's a, you know, it's a, it's not an effective strategy. Um, yeah. you know, uh, and actually I'm, I sort of say the same thing in reverse to, to job seekers, you know, because actually that, you know, you're on the other side of that 300 people, you know, if they're, uh, one person uh, applying to a job that they see online, which I think is almost already filled. Um, your you've got a you, your basic odds are sort of one in three hundred, but that's not the reality because eighty percent of the people that apply probably their CVs won't be seen because they'll be you know filtered out well before they actually get to see a, a human being. Even the ones that um, that do you know make the cut to to have eyes on them, you know you're probably fighting for. Uh, you know, one slot maybe, 
on a yeah. on a long list, not not really uh, uh, a slot on a short list. So it's yeah, I, I think you can feel like you're really busy applying to stuff, but I don't think that's the best strategy. I think the best strategy is the one that you suggest, which is go to your network and uh, and and you know try and find and uncover early stage opportunities. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, it's changed a lot, hasn't it? Over, tw- I mean, you, you and I have both been in this game for twenty years, and it, you I know, know, it has yeah. changed. So one of the big changes, I think, has been LinkedIn. I don't know how you feel about that. Absolutely, and I think at the time, a lot of the internal recruiters thought that that was a kind of game changer, and that it would probably make them less reliant on us. We all have LinkedIn; some mm. use it better than others. Some are more proactive. A lot of internal recruiters that I have dealt with simply post ads on LinkedIn. Mm. And, you know, a lot of internal recruiters, they might be overloaded with positions across different functions. They don't have the expertise. They can't really partner all of their internal clients. Mm. So on those roles that are really deemed mission critical, that's where we'll be engaged because, you know, they want to tap in that expert knowledge and they don't want an advertised response. They want the best that the market has to offer, not just who's available. Yes, I think that's, uh, and the more senior, the more that is critical. You know, you, you don't want yeah. just what uh, is is on offer in the open market. You want the best possible person. Um, and of course, that 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 uh, it takes time and it takes effort. I, I completely agree with you. The internal recruiters, you know, they're handling 40, 50 roles. We're handling four. You know, at any one That's time, right. it's 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 a sort of how much effort can you put into this? And uh, yeah, and I actually think that there's some great internal recruiters that we deal with, and you know, they recognise that of their portfolio of maybe 30, 40 roles, there's eighty to ninety percent that they can deliver on, but they also recognise that there's a number they can't, and that's where they have those specialised relationships. So it's it's a it's a balancing act. Absolutely. Once once a candidate's got their foot in the door by whatever means, um, you know what 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 in your view makes a good candidate? What what do the good candidates do that the sort of average candidates don't? Yeah, look, I, I I think you know this was kind of drummed into me when I first started in recruitment, and it's still the same. You've got to prepare. Make sure your candidate prepares. Um, if 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 anybody goes into an interview not having done their preparation, well, they might as well not turn up. Um, you know the the kind of things to to focus on is building your knowledge of the business and review the annual reports look at the press releases find out what the competitors are doing look at the people that you know they're going to be meeting in the interview check their linkedin profiles out there's potentially common connections and they can form a, an early bond in an interview maybe they have something in the background university or school but um, you know aside from doing your preparation around the organization i think a candidate has to go into that interview absolutely crystal clear around the scope of the position and what really are the key selection criteria because they've got to be able to craft their story in a very compelling way that really talks to the skills and experience that the hiring manager is looking for. And it's not about sales. They've just got to showcase their achievements and they have to do that with substance. And if they haven't done the prep to be able to talk about relative achievements then they're going to do themselves a disservice really so i think you know it comes down to interview practice like everything in life the more you practice the better you get hopefully you're not dealing with serial interviewers but maybe maybe it would be useful for some candidates to do formal interview coaching um i know a few people here have paid money and have 
had great results from that. Um, so yeah, like preparation's the key, and how far you want to take that will will show how enthusiastic you are for the actual role. Yeah, absolutely. Preparation and practice is amazing, isn't it? If you, if if you're, yeah. we are learning machines. I say this about people, and of course, yeah. uh, you know, if you do 10, 15 interviews, you get you get really good at it, and eventually you land a role. But you know, in this sort of tight market, I would suggest um, I'd want to turn up for that first interview well prepared and yeah. lo- and, and looking and feeling like I've done that. I'm at number ten, you know. Um, that, yeah. I, that I can tell my career story in a compelling and concise way, which I, you know, I talk yeah. about a lot, you know, that sort of tell me about yourself question is a real, you know, we all use it uh, because it's, 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 you're giving somebody a bit of rope to either hang themselves on or climb, climb up on it. it, it you know, it is a, it's such a, yeah. such a, um, such a free forum that you, you really get to understand, you know, you, you get to learn so much more than you do through perhaps, uh, a series of questions if you let somebody talk I agree. Um, and then and then as you say there's the sort of more uh competency based stuff and case studies based stuff where you've got to you've got to demonstrate you know i've done this before and and again you're telling a story um which has a sort of you know again has to be compelling concise and constructive and if you don't do that regularly yeah. you don't know how to do it yeah and it has to it has to always weave in the You've got to be authentic. I think you know a lot of people turn up and they present an image of what they think the hiring manager wants yeah. to see, but mm. that's never going to work for anybody. You, you've got to be true to yourself, and I think you've got to deliver it how you normally would, because the fit's there or it isn't. Mm. But um, yeah, look, certainly values is a big area, and you know organisations I think today more so than ever are very big on their values, and they want to see how a candidate can demonstrate that alignment. So again, preparation, you get on the website, what are those companies' values? And think about it. How have I demonstrated them? Is there an example that demonstrates that I have been courageous or mm. I know how to respectfully challenge somebody or push back and influence? Um, it just takes time to sit down, think, what have you done? How did you do it? And how can I talk about that in an interview? That's a very good point, actually, Ed, is, is pushing back. I, 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 funnily enough, I, uh, in one of the previous episodes, I interviewed a, a very experienced CEO, a chap called Matt Benyon, who's actually a chairman of a business now. And he, he was, we were talking about this very subject about interview, and he was saying, you know, what, what sort of makes a difference for him is, is the career story, and he wants to understand, you know, how is it built, the passion. That helps him sort of understand the motivation of a person, which I think is, is absolutely the right thing. But he, he then wants he says the people that stand out, the people that push back and challenge, and they do that in a, you know, obviously, you know, they don't want to go toe to toe. But you, you, yeah. you, if you, if you're if you're going for a senior role, you better have something to say, and you better have an opinion, and an, and you actually need to also have some personal skills. So, in that pushing back, um, you're demonstrating quite a lot of those things. You're, de- you're demonstrating the courage. You've got some convictions, and you've got some. You've got some you gameplay, you've got some skills um, where you can influence somebody. Um, Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's incredibly important. And people, people too often people are, are sort of, you know, sitting there like a wallflower uh, when maybe they have a different view. Um, you've got to learn how to express that. Indeed. And particularly at the leadership level, you know, mm. business is changing, the world is changing, and CEOs need leaders who can bring diversity or cognitive diversity, not just gender diversity, but new ideas, fresh thinking. And 
you can't bring that to the table unless you're prepared to have some pretty robust debate and you know challenge the status quo. But again, it's about doing it respectfully um, rather than being combative. Yes, yes, you've absolutely uh, you've absolutely got to do that in the right way. But yeah, yeah, I mean, if if you're being if you're a senior, you're being asked to to solve a problem. Um, Correct. You need to turn up with some solutions because the, the the reality is, if they already had the problem solved, you won't be sat there. Um, yeah. That they're asking you to come up with something new, uh, generally. So yeah, I think we can I think we can definitely agree on that. Um, Ed, look, you know, I, I think you've 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 already given uh, a lot of your time and uh, and made some great points. So I really thank you for that. Um, is there anything do you want to mention your business for for anybody that uh, is listening and perhaps is in the the finance function in Australia that might want to uh, check you out? Yeah, look, I mean, it, we're we're still in our infancy, but I think we've made some pretty good inroads in the first year. Um, I think what, what what our rationale behind setting up EMU was, we kind of saw, and I think, I don't know if this is widely accepted, but we've really seen this convergence of finance, tech, and digital mm. within most organizations. Um, what used to be quite siloed areas within a business are increasingly working together. And, you know, we're aligned very much to the consumer markets, be it retail or FMCG. So, um we're seeing finance leaders get a better grasp of technology and digital. And you look at digital leaders who have a better understanding of a P&L and a balance sheet returns on investment. So what we found is, is taking this brand to market, we're not able just to solve a finance problem and put a senior leader in the finance team, but we can actually now work across that leadership team. Um, so yeah, look, we're interested to hear from from finance leaders, tech leaders, digital leaders who've got that really consumer-centric view of the world. Um, I'd love to hear from anybody that wants to have a chat with me. And what's the website again, uh, Ed? emusearch.com.au. Brilliant. Well, that's perfect. Look, Ed, appreciate your time. I shall let you get to bed, or I don't know how late it is. <laughs> is there, but... What time is in there? Oh, 20 to 8. Not, just no, not, not bedtime yet for you, Ed. <laughs> Big boy like you. Stay up a bit longer. But <laughs> look, look, Ed, thank you. Really appreciate it. Been great speaking. All of us. Take care. Thanks, Tony. Bye now. Well, that was great for me to catch up with Ed. I hope it was great for you too, because uh, I haven't had anybody on uh, as yet who's very much focused on the finance function. And I want to try and cover off a lot of the bases uh, through this podcast series of different industries and different functions and see what's happening in those areas. It's interesting how, I always say this, it's interesting how the the recruitment industry is the same um, from one country to another. It's also interesting how going about finding and getting a job is a, is a very similar process in each function and each industry. Really you need to be much more proactive than simply searching, clicking and applying online. I know I keep saying this, I reiterate it a lot, but um, the game has changed. Uh, it, it is very easy to look online, but of course, those jobs are almost already filled in my view. And the more senior you go, the more you have to build and rely and leverage upon your network. That is essential. Whether that's um, your own network or leveraging off others, particularly maybe a, um, an experienced recruiter, um, particularly somebody at the exact level, that's really going to be where you'll you'll get your wins. So uh, do take that on board. And of course, um, if you really want to understand how 
the senior level executive recruitment really works, um, consider taking my free job search masterclass, um, which is available at www.careermovesecrets.com. And of course, there is of the uh, premium course, which will explain exactly how to find your next senior job from start to finish uh, in a step-by-step way. So check that out as well. And if you are enjoying these podcasts, please consider subscribing because there will be more Career Move Secrets podcasts coming very soon. 